Look at my butt. Show number 241 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Track. So we're back with the show. Here we are. We are. Against all odds. Again, <laughs> overwhelming this, oddities. Yes, here we are. Yes, uh, technology has not been my friend here at home for um, some time. So I was doing a lot of, you know, just trying to keep up on the work computer because this one was, you know, in a coma more or less. So, <laughs> oh, what well, are we I'm, do? I'm glad at least this part of it's working. So you have Skype and you have the the recording and then you have a browser so that's good that's a really yes. good basic set to do things them's them's all good things <laughs> so we've got a bunch of news and some reviews to, to talk about today yes indeed so we will um i guess the first thing i wanted to mention in the news item was uh i just saw this on twitter yesterday that terry farrell who played dax on deep space yes. is engaged to adam nimoy like yes whoa out of the blue and i think that started because he we talked about this before he made the the um his the movie about his dad which we like mm-hmm. and then he decided to make this documentary about deep space nine and he got to know her uh-huh. while they were filming it and i guess they just fell in love and were like hey oh. this is meant to be so that's that's pretty cool i think that's that's neat. a star trek romance it really is so i think it's it's awesome and i wonder what their wedding is going to be like i mean i'm i'm sure people are expecting them to to do a star trek themed wedding but i'm going to guess they're not <laughs> i'm hoping they don't you know that would be weird. I think it would be yeah. weird. Um, yeah. But I believe Bill offered his congratulations. So that was good. Oh, good, good, yeah. good. And, you know, they're both divorced and uh, she has kids. And I think he has some kids, too, from his, his first marriage. So it's, you know, it's like a later in life romance kind of thing. For them. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's really kind of sweet. I do, too. Yeah. So I absolutely do. Congratulations to them. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Now, let's see. Um... Oh, let's just talk about that picture for a second because um, yeah. there's, a, there's a Twitter account that somebody I know uh, retweets occasionally. Oh, maybe it's the Star Trek Twitter that retweets it, but um, they've it's called um, Humanoid History, and they occasionally post these very interesting photographs. And so just the other day, they posted this series of photographs that were black and white behind the scenes photos from the filming of uh, Spectre of the Gun. And it's oh, a, okay. I was going to ask if you knew the episode. Yeah, um, and it's okay. it's called King Rose Archives, and it's one of those photo archives like Getty Images where you can go mm-hmm. and um, license photos or get them printed and, and everything. And these are really cool. You know, they're in black and white, so they're mm-hmm. a little bit different. And there's a, there's about 40 of them, all from Spectre of the Gun, and they're all the actors standing around talking and talking with the directors and there's some photographs mm-hmm. on the set, but there's one in particular of Bill that oh. immediately caught my eye um, because of course I looked through all the Bill photographs immediately and it's him standing against one of the sets, um, the the weird, you know, no no depth sets of uh, right. the town. And he's holding, excuse me, he's holding a gun and he's talking to Leonard, who's kind of holding his script. And I see DeForest is there too. Mm-hmm. And the light is falling on him just right. And oh my God, there is such EVE action going on in this picture. Oh, and, and that, you know what? What I'm noticing, uh-huh. because Bill is such a good actor. <laughs> yes. The EVE is at the same angle he's holding the gun. Uh, it is. It actually is. You are correct about that. Yeah. Um, now that's acting. That's really acting. And it, it's amazing. And I don't remember this from the episode. So I think it definitely requires another viewing of that episode. <laughs> just okay. I mean, this looks like it would be probably about halfway into it or something. So they've got their, mm-hmm. their gun holsters and they've got the guns and everything. So they're talking about their strategy for how they're going to deal with it. But um, that's pretty impressive right there. And that is definitely not trouser crease. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. You and I have studied this enough. Yeah. That I think we can rest on our credentials here. Yes. That we, we don't have to even make that statement no no so it's a very nice photo and i'll put that up at the facebook group so everybody can have yeah, a gander on it it's yeah. very nice um unfortunately You'll enjoy it yeah because these are jpegs of 
what are obviously very high resolution photographs, you know, you can't like mm-hmm. blow it up to look at things in detail. But, mm, but okay. it's enough. I, I think it's enough. It's a yes, I, yes. I think it's very good. So that was delightful. That was just like <laughs> we haven't seen one of those in such a long time. It's been a while. It's, it's been a while. It's been a while. So I was just delighted to see that show up in my Twitter feed. Um I want to, something just occurred to me that yes. I want to just briefly talk about. Last night, I saw the uh, end 20 minutes or so of um, Court Martial. <laughs> uh-huh. And I noticed a couple things, and I don't know if we have ever uh, noticed these particular things before. First of all, I know we've noticed this, that in the fight with Finney, we get a reappearance of the Ripidish shirt ever. Yes, it suddenly goes from one shot to another. It's like, whoop, what happened? Yep. <laughs> and I believe that is the only other time we see that, correct? Mm-hmm. I think that's right. That and shore leave are the two times. Other times, the rip is, is like actually in the action. There's no, yes. there's no jump cut to the rip. <laughs> right. Okay. So... I was thinking about a little, and the part I saw was, you know, the part where uh, Samuel Cogswell says, I must ask this court to reconvene on the Enterprise. Cut, you know, they're on the Enterprise. Well, you know, Kirk in court had on his dress uniform, mm-hmm. which means either before they beamed up or after they beamed up, he ran somewhere and changed into <laughs> his regular you know, daily uh-huh. uniform so that it could get ripped. It could get ripped. I mean, because they could not rip the dress uniform. Exactly. That was too valuable. The, the costume designers are like, no, you are not <laughs> ripping this. I am sorry. It costs too much money. We can't make another one. No, just no. No, it's not happening. The other thing I noticed, though, well, two things. One is when a real Shaw at the end turns and, and goes into the turbo lift after their little kiss, uh-huh. her skirt, which is longer than anybody else's yeah. mini skirt, has a slit up the back that goes halfway up her ass. Really? And I was looking at it, trying to look closely, and either it, it really does is a slit that goes halfway up her ass, or it's a skirt. How interesting. I never noticed that. I do remember that she has a longer skirt. But, yes. Oh, this is so interesting. Mm, Going to have to look for that. Going to have to find more photographic evidence because that sounds very, very interesting. Huh. And the last thing I noticed, and you're hearing it here first, folks. <laughs> Finney is not the only, well, he didn't die in the episode, but the only supposed death in the episode. Because when McCoy's going around with his white noise machine, you know, they've yeah. uh, they've beamed 400 people down to God knows where. And uh, he's going around with his white noise machine so nobody can hear their heart. And they're still hearing ba-bump, ba-bump, ba-bump. <laughs> it's two hearts. And Kirk turns to Spock and says something like, um, and that's the transporter chief, stop his heart. <laughs> Spock <laughs> flicks a switch and says, Done. <laughs> oh my God! He just killed that guy. He just killed blood. him. Wow! <laughs> I never even saw that before. That's he doesn't exactly say. You know, the words aren't "stop his heart," but it's like it's you know. <laughs> That's so funny! Oh my God! That's hilarious! And Spock yep. just does it right. He flicks his switch. Right, like, right. Oh. No, no, no questioning. You got it, Captain. <laughs> Maybe that was the mirror universe Spock making a, a, a sneaking in. Yeah, sneaking but in. Just he didn't have his beard. <laughs> just wanted to kill somebody. Just wanted yeah, to yeah, maybe kill, so. Kill maybe that guy. that guy pissed him off from the minute. <laughs> so he came back and said, "I'm setting this whole thing up with Finney so that I can kill him." That's it. He's dead now. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's so funny. I never noticed those things. Okay. Oh, it's a reason yep. to watch it over again. Okay, good. And that's a great episode. It is. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, oh, and I noticed yes. one other thing. Another acting trick. They have a close, you know, a close up. They have several in this episode and in many episodes of Kirk looking concerned. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a, a full on full face. It's not, you know, like three quarters or anything. When he's looking concerned... He's doing that cheek sucking thing in, <laughs> and it makes his lips like a little pursed, I and it looks why. a little prissy. It does. <laughs> I wonder why he was doing that. Did he think his face was feeling fat that day or something? Uh, like- you know, that's what they do when they're going to have a direct into the camera shot. Mm. It's just face. I never really picked it up. 
I know exactly the face you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I've seen that in photographs many, many times. Mm-hmm. In fact, the picture of him um, that always gets used as like a publicity photo where there's all that grease in his hair from like yes. that. He's doing it in that picture. He's mm-hmm. got cheek mm-hmm. and he always, you're right. It's a little bit prissy looking. Well, it just cracked me up when like a whole um, set of DVDs for TNG came out. And if you lined up all the photos, which were like these black and white shots shot shot from the side. So it kind of looked like the cover of the Beatles first album. (laughs) Every single one of them was doing it. It's so funny. Stop sucking your cheeks in. (laughs) No. (sighs) So anyway. Well, that's good. That's very, very good. Uh, thank you for noticing and and uh, making the time to you know share them with everybody. Because yes. good, no matter how many times we watch these episodes, always something new that you know. Always, always, always something new. Well, um, let let me talk a little bit now about this TV show that I watched. Um, yes, please do. Okay, you have it, but I don't think you watched it, right? No, I've been bigger frying bigger fish. Yeah, fixing your computer. Well, you could watch it if you wanna. It's not very good. So this is a TV show called Private Eyes, and it's a mm-hmm. Canadian uh, series about private eyes, and it stars Jason Priestley, who's Canadian, and um, I forget who the woman is who plays his partner. And it's it's a lot like that show that we watched that Bill was in before, the um, the police show. Mark that Twain? In. Yeah. The Mark Twain one? No, 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 not the Mark Twain one. The other one, the one where he played the, um, where he did a really good job and he played the Oh, the grandfather, the grandfather with the, yes. yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Whatever that was called, like Toronto Blue or something. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, it, it's, a, it's a Canadian TV show. It's a series. It's, I guess it's been on for a while. This is season two and this was the sixth mm-hmm. episode. And uh, it, it seems like Bill is sort of contractually obligated to do one of these Canadian shows every year to like keep his <laughs> Canadian actor equity card or something or I don't keep know. his canadian citizenship maybe maybe they put it in there so he's a guest star he has a small part the uh-huh. show is a little weird um they so jason Priestley and his partner their private eyes she she's like a real private eye and he's sort of an ex-hockey player that she hires as <laughs> okay. almost like you know to do the dirty work to to run around and do things she's so the brains of the organization it's like canadian moonlighting it is it's a lot like that and okay. i think that's exactly where they stole the concept from <laughs> so yes he's the um, ex-hockey player he's kind of obnoxious he has a smart mouth he's you know good looking jason Priestley's still pretty good looking although not as pretty as he was when he was in beverly hills 90210 okay um so this particular episode uh i'll try to recap very quickly there's a woman who's on trial for murdering her husband she says she's innocent uh she had they had an argument she wanted a divorce for unspecified reasons and then she took some uh uh diazepam some tranquilizers and fell asleep and then the cleaning lady came in the next morning the husband was dead and the wife was holding the like passed out but holding the bloody knife so of course they assume she did it so of course it turns out she didn't do it and the whole episode is finding out who the real killer was Okay, what is Bill's role in all this? So Bill's role is playing another private detective who was pals with um, the, the the woman private detective. Her dad was also a private detective. Everybody was a private detective. So It's a town full of private it is, detectives. It really is. So her dad was a detective and Bill plays a, a, someone who was friendly with her dad back in the day you know, okay. like whatever in the fifties or the sixties when they both did this for a living. And he's part, portrayed as sort of a unscrupulous private eye. Like he's not above Ooh. tampering with the jury and, and doing some unethical things. But of course he has a heart of gold and he comes through in the end and he's the one who saves the day. So that was nice. You know, okay. he, he provided it. Um, his name is Norm Glinsky, which is a very weird name. Um, mm-hmm. And I couldn't, figure out whether they were trying to do like he's Jewish or he's like, uh, you know, some kind of Eastern European smart guy. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like they were clearly going for some kind of stereotype there that didn't really work. So I don't know why they gave him such an like ethnic sounding name. It was a little odd. Uh, so he manages to solve it because not only is he a private detective, but he's also like an accounting genius. That was what he did before he became a private detective. Like, really? That's Bill. Okay. Okay. Um, 
he's dressed terribly and he's wearing like a sports jacket that's four sizes too big and this really ugly tie which may well have come from bill's own collection of ties i really well, don't yeah. know it looked like it would suit him and he's you know i don't want to say he's not good I don't think they gave him a very good role to work with because mm. half the time he's playing it for comedy and the other half of the time he's just got a lot of exposition to deliver. And they give his character the quirk that he opens every conversation by quoting from like Confucius or Buddha or, you know, oh. like some, some philosopher. And it's like, okay, that's his characterization is that he's got to get oh. in. Some... Yeah, and you're like, really? That's not, I don't know, it's not very that's good. That's so, I don't know, yeah. freshman theater games it or is. something. It really is. It was like they, they were kind of lurching around looking for something to hang his character on. And they're like, okay, he'll dress bad and he'll quote philosophers. That's his character. <laughs> Done. Let's Done. get Shatner yeah. in here. So, you know, and I could tell, you know, he's working hard, of course, and doing everything he can to kind of bring it to life. And um, the, the two times in this episode when he was really good, and I so wish they had let him do more than that, was when he's kind of angry and a little obnoxious. Mm. And if he had played mm. the whole character as kind of angry and a little obnoxious, it would have been so good. Because in those moments when he has that... He's totally believable, and you're like, ooh, this is interesting. So yeah. The, the first time is when uh, the private eyes are tailing him, and he, he pulls a fast one and disappears, and then they're like, where did he go? Where did he go? And he, he pulls up behind <laughs> them, and he gets out, and he goes, and he bangs on their window. And in that moment, like, he comes walking up, and he's really angry, and he doesn't tap with his, like, his finger on the window. Mm -hmm. He just kind of slams his whole hand against the back of the window with a glove on. It's like... Bam! And he's got this really angry look on his face. And I was like, ooh, dangerous. Ooh. Yeah, it was great. It was just a tiny little moment, but it was so good. And then he just, it goes into the comedy again. And he's he's lecturing them. Didn't your daddy teach you the first thing about tailing someone? Always keep a car in between you. And it's like, oh, really? <laughs> Why didn't you just let him be like a mean guy? Why did he have to be a funny guy? A mean guy yeah. would have been so much better. Aww. And then at the very, very end in the last scene, um, after he's revealed his heart of gold and they pay him and he's like, you know, maybe maybe I should have listened to your dad more or something like that. And he's leaving and um, Jason Priestley comes in and, and Bill's character says to him, hey, it's you. Didn't you used to be a hockey player? Um, <laughs> like like very sarcastically and that was pretty funny and jason Priestley says didn't you used to be a private detective like ooh, sick burn, ooh, burn. and bill just <laughs> looks at him like really looks at him kind of glares at him and as mm -hmm. he's going by he body checks him <laughs> <laughs> like really hard and he kind of and it's like oof and then he's staring at him again and then he just open open-handedly smacks him on the shoulder like like just bam he just hits him and it's great. And he just has a wow. really angry look on his face. And then he just walks out. And I was like, wow, wow that was interesting. Like, why? <laughs> so if they had let him play this character as sort of a mean guy without all yeah, the Yeah, aggressive, layers, assertive. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it would have been so good because those two moments were magic and Bill really made them work. And, and it made <sighs> me very sad that the rest of it was, was so not using his talents. Yeah. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so sad face about it. Um, sad face. I, I will say there were some goofy things, like you were saying, community theater kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, Jason Priestley drives this beautiful sort of um, late 90s Porsche, and uh -huh. that's the car he uses when he's doing surveillance on people. Oh, great. Yeah, like no one Because <laughs> nobody that. will notice that. Nobody <laughs> will absolutely spot that. So that was ridiculous. And then there was a part that was like, um, I felt like you and I could have written it in a, in a, <laughs> a, a Trek story, like a parody uh -huh. Trek story, because there's this whole thing at the beginning of the episode where, where the, the private detective pair are tailing someone, and then it turns out later that someone was tailing them and took a picture of them spying <laughs> on someone and sends it to the district attorney and... Um, you know, she's all bent out of shape. Who saw you doing this tailing? We're going to get in so much trouble and blah, blah, blah. You have to find out who, who took this picture. And it turns out it was Bill who did it. Of so that's how, they, that's how he gets involved in the story. And they go and they talk to him and, and blah, blah, blah. And the whole thing with the picture is like forgotten. 
So then like <laughs> half an hour later, they come back and they're talking to the district attorney and she goes, and what about that picture of you spying on the, on the juror? And, and Jason Priestley literally says, uh, we took care of that. And that was it. <laughs> they never talk about it again. Good save. So it was like the, the writers literally forgot that that happened. And they're like, oh, we have to give some explanation. Let's just say we took care of that, period. And that's it. It's like, what time is it? Yeah. It's time. time. It was exactly like that. I could not believe it. It was almost a joke. And I thought, are they joking? Is this meant to be funny? And it wasn't. It was just, oh, oh they couldn't afford oh. the exposition, please. I don't know. It was really wow. weird. So, um, wow. I will mention one more thing about this show that, that struck me as really super creepy. Um, so at the end of the episode, uh, thanks to Bill, the woman is set free. That's great. The, the real killer is arrested. Terrific. Uh, the, there's some dumb subplot, subplot with Jason Priestley's dad hitting on the woman that he works with. And that is nice. And there's all these little scenes of people like, you know, getting back to their lives after this terrible mm -hmm. trial is over. And there's this sort of sweet, like acoustic guitar, heartwarming music playing. And, and you're like supposed to feel really good about how everything turned out. And intercut with that is Jason Priestley, who's going to see this district attorney. Maybe she's not the district attorney. I don't know. She was prosecuted. Mm -hmm. um, so he's going to see her and, and kind of apologizing for having fucked up certain parts of the the case and she's like that's okay you know it all worked out in the end and blah 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 she takes the clip out of her hair and her beautiful blonde hair falls down to her shoulders she offers him a drink and then they have sex in her office and the <sighs> scenes of them undressing each other is intercut with these heartwarming scenes of people getting their lives back together after this terrible trial and it was really weird it was like Ew, i don't want to see that that's not that's not okay not okay no, mm -hmm. don't do that. So um, I, I felt that was a very poor choice of editing for the end of the episode. I guess. So on the whole, I would give this uh, probably a 5 out of 10. Uh, you know, okay. if, if you want to see Bill do something, sure. You know, he's always worth watching. And those two little moments yes. I mentioned are pretty good. Uh, it's, in my opinion, not a very good show. But whatever people seem to like it it's in season two so i guess there mm -hmm. are fans for that sort of thing it's it's not you know moonlighting was funny really funny in a lot right, of ways right. this isn't funny there are oh. some amusing things in it but generally mm -hmm. it's not meant to be a comedy private eye show it's just meant to be a mm. private eye show with some touches of humor mm. well um speaking of shows featuring law, mm -hmm. you know, people upholding the law. Uh, last night when I was watching Court Martial, it was on Me TV. Yes, Me TV. And Me TV, starting tomorrow, Monday, is going to start showing TJ Hooker. Yes, I know. My mom told me that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, here it's going to be on like at three or four in the afternoon, so I will never see it. Mm -hmm. Haven't seen it yet. But um, Me TV, and I'm going to try and find this online, and if I can, I'm going to post it to the Facebook page. And if somebody else gets it before me, go right ahead. Um, they did kind of a Star Trek TJ Hooker mashup. Really? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. And uh, the little bit I saw of it, I thought, is that actually funny or did I just, you know, catch the, the right little thing? So got to find that. Wow. But, um, yeah, I know we have listeners who love TJ Hooker. Oh, yeah. So I hope they know about this and, you know, are going to be watching it and reporting to us on, you know, butt shots and EVEs mm -hmm. and you know what we like. Oh, yeah, of course. I, I am all about that. You know, it, I don't think I've ever seen a whole episode of TJ Hooker. I really don't. Um, I'm trying to remember if I have. I've seen bits and pieces of them. And mm -hmm. you and I have watched certain sequences of them online, like just mm -hmm. the rolling off the hood kind of things. But <laughs> Oh, there is a really funny thing in, in, the, in the MTV thing. Now that you said rolling off the hood, I can't think what it was. But it's incredibly awkward and bad. I, oh, I got to find this now because, yeah. What Are is you still it? there? Is, yeah, is it is it like a compilation of clips or something? No, no. Well, yeah. Well, you know, it, it is a compilation of clips, but there's something. Oh man, my mind is blanking here. But it's like Bill is riding past something, but. He, it's whatever the vehicle is, he's going incredibly slow. It's not the right vehicle for him to be chasing anybody. It's like really 
dumb like like you know he's in you know one of those senior citizens motor scooters or something something really is is it a gotta... moon, is it a moon buggy is he chasing someone in a moon buggy <laughs> on the moon yes yeah on the moon yes. <laughs> no i've i've got to find it i'll put it on the facebook page okay oh my god good <laughs> okay i want to see that um Cool. Well, yeah, we'll we'll post that, and uh, maybe I'll I'll make myself watch some T.J. Hooker just to see. Okay. You know, All I, right. I think the thing about T.J. Hooker is that um, I'd watch it for Bill. I don't really like the other people who were in the show. Mm-hmm. You know, Adrian Zemed and Heather Locklear. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I just don't think they're going to be very good, and it seems like it would be very painful to watch to see Bill and to have to put up with them doing whatever they're doing. Right, but I do like that story Adrian Zemed told yes. about being in the car with yeah. Bill where he had to drive it up to the edge of the cliff. Yes, of course. <laughs> the stories are great. I just, I don't really want to see them trying to act. Um, anyway, yeah. okay, good. Well, thank you for calling that to everyone's attention. Yeah, my mom yes. was all about it. She's like, now you know Bill is going to be on MeTV. I was like, thank you, Mom. So I your mom that. calls him Bill now, he too. Does, that is so cool. Well, you know, there's only a few people who get to go by their first name. Bill's one of them, and Frank is the other. That's <laughs> Frank it. is the <laughs> singly named people very yes, important yes. in our universe okay um so before we take a break i want to just mention that uh as i think we had talked about and, and we posted uh wrath of khan is going to be in the movie theater again Yay! Um, which is very soon it's going to be uh, september 10th and wednesday september 13th and i think it's uh by our good friends at fathom events Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm definitely going, I think, probably uh, the 10th. Yeah, so that'll be good. And there's going to be an interview, a, a uh, filmed interview with Bill right before that. So that'll be cool. Right, so, right. Yeah. Yes, and I'm, I'm so excited because isn't it going to be the director's cut? Yes, it is the director's yes. cut. Yes, so, And it'll probably look beautiful, digitally remastered, everything. So that's mm-hmm. fantastic. And so and Bill... we will cheer and cry. <laughs> yeah, and, oh. I know. It's going to be so cool. Uh, Bill did a really good interview in IGN to talk about just you know the experience of making the movie and it's a great yep. interview it's really good the, the person who asked him questions asked some really good questions so it wasn't mm-hmm. just like the usual stuff but of course the thing that that caught my eye which I mentioned when I posted this to Facebook is that um <laughs> Bill mentioned that Kirk has the love affair with his ship which I just <laughs> loved uh, I know he said uh the question was what are your thoughts on giving Kirk a son in that film and he said I liked it it hadn't occurred to us at that point but it began to dawn on us and especially that the wonderful Nicholas Meyer who wrote and directed uh, that the aging Kirk would have another life other than his love affair with the ship and so he <laughs> had a he son loves like, like a, a woman. woman exactly and I thought that was really nice that he managed to kind of yes. work that in there that was good yes so it's a great interview it's not too long and he um, you know talks about a lot of things um, in the making of it um, how they decided that you know Spock was going to die and how they were going to mm-hmm. do that. And uh, he, it's just a, a really good, like informative kind of interview. And he doesn't tell the same stories that we've heard over and over right, again, right. which I thought was really nice. And then um, let's see, just have to, oh yeah. Um, he says, uh, let's see. The question was, what has it been like for you just as a human being to balance the incredible popularity of Kirk and Star Trek with just your own life, being the person trying to live your life? And he says, well, I haven't had any difficulty. Um, (laughs) For me, this film was made in the early 80s. This film, There Is Me, 40 Years Younger, which puts me at what, 20, 22? (laughs) Very funny, Bill. Um, He says, it's macabre to see yourself yelling Khan and having a full set of lungs. It's strange and yet interesting and definitive. Um, a few months ago, I gave an interview that was filmed that's going to be played to host the film on Fathom, whose name we haven't mentioned during this interview. You know that it's Fathom <laughs> that's going to screen this film, right? <laughs> it's like, get it in there, Bill. Do that shilling. That's right. It's that's great. why one of the reasons you hire him. Yeah, it was great. And then, you know, as Bill often seems to do, uh, he talks a little bit about death here at the end, which I thought was good. The question was, uh, do you think Star Trek will outlast all of us? And he says, yes. I don't know about you, but I haven't got that long to go. It better outlast me. Uh, <laughs> everything is going to outlast me. Uh, <laughs> there was a caterpillar that turned into a moth. I think it has a limited life, and that's going to outlast me. <laughs> And then, and then typically the interviewer says, I don't know, Mr. Shatner, I think you seem, and Bill cuts him off. I'm still going strong. <laughs> Good for you, Bill. Good for you, Bill. Yeah, it was great. Um, so 
I, I want to mention one more thing about this interview without reading the mm-hmm. whole thing, um, which is that the, the interviewer asked him about Gene Roddenberry. Did you read this part of it? Oh, well, you know, I'm just now realizing it's two pages. Yeah, there's a second Because page. I read it on my phone, ah, okay. on my lunch hour, and uh, for me, it, 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 it ended at page one. So mm-hmm. tell me what he says about Gene Roddenberry. Well, this was so interesting. They, he said, the interviewer says, what was your relationship with Gene Roddenberry? Would you still talk to him about movie scripts? And Bill says, Gene, Gene was, it's a matter of how much we want to reveal. Gene was, mm. yeah, I know. I was like, whoa. Gene, he says, Gene was a typical writer in that he lived in his head a lot. Uh, it's my view that people write, people who write, professional writers, people who do a lot of writing, they sit in their office, their chair, wherever they're writing, and are by themselves and living in their head. And they may do so because they're not adept at dealing with people. So they make fiction. Then, when they become hyphenates, which they did in those days, so the writer became a producer, writer slash producer, the fit may not have been exact if I could be, if I could put it that way. So it, hmm. so it was with Gene. He was he was a cool customer. He had his own way of doing things and needed. No, I'd better not go there. Yeah, he was a cool customer, and in fact, he had little to do with Star Trek after the first thirteen shows. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Wow. So that was interesting. I don't think I've ever heard him say anything like that before. Yeah. And then he stops himself and he says, "I'd better not go there." What the hell, Bill? What were you just about to say? I don't know. So I I don't know what that means. And then they drop it and move on to something else. But Mm -hmm. um, so clearly there's stuff about Gene that he doesn't feel comfortable saying. I mean, who knows if he ever will, I guess. He just feels like he doesn't want to disrespect Gene and Gene's family and Rod and and all that. Mm -hmm. But boy, that just, you know, you can't say stuff like that in an interview without people going, wait a minute, what? What What, 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 Yeah. Wow. Mm. I don't know, but that was the most interesting part for me. Plus, the thing about loving his ship like a woman. Well, he didn't. Yes. Know that, but <laughs> well, we know what he meant. We know what he meant. Everybody knew what he meant. <laughs> so I encourage you all to go read it. It's a very good interview. Two pages. Yeah. Don't forget the second page. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. You know. Yeah. So should we take our little break? Yeah. Let's take a break, and then I'm going to talk about Bill's horse book, which I have right here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah horses. <laughs> Cloppity, cloppity. I'll get the coconuts. Very good. Okay, we'll be back. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. We are back and we're ready to talk horses. Horses. So I've, I've got a book review here. Um, I got Bill's, Bill's book called Spirit of the Horse out of the library. And mm-hmm. it's not the book I thought it was going to be, which turned out to be a really good thing. So that's great. Oh, okay. Well, tell us. Yeah. So this is a good book. I really enjoy this book. Um, he co-wrote it with Jeff Rovin, but I will say that I feel like Bill actually wrote a lot of this and Jeff Rovin didn't, which was the problem with Zero G, was that Jeff Rovin wrote a lot of it and Bill didn't. Oh, but this, wow. this is really... Do you think he actually wrote it or like, you know, dictated oh, it into a I'm sure recording he did. device? Yeah, I'm sure he dictated it, but it's very much Bill's voice. Like, as I'm reading it, mm-hmm. it totally feels like this is him talking. Ooh. Yeah. Has he done an audio of this book, do you know? That's an excellent question, and I don't know. Um, okay, well, go ahead. You know, we can yeah. in- investigate that, but keep talking. Just so, wondering. Um, this book is a collection of essays not written by Bill, written by other people about horses. Mm-hmm. And Bill does, uh, there's an introduction to each one, and some of them are short, and some of them are long, and some of them are more essays about Bill's experiences with horses. So it's this really nice collection from um, all sorts of writers, you know, there's there's an Aesop's Fable, there's something by James Baldwin, there's something from the Brothers Grimm, there's something Ooh. from Jonathan Swift, Ambrose Bierce, um, 
I'm just kind of going down the list here. Uh, Wild Bill Cody, but sorry, uh, Buffalo Bill, um, Oliver Wendell Holmes, Jack London. So it's this really broad collection of essays about horses and mm-hmm. they're collected to, you know, illustrate different aspects of horses personality and, and how it is when people are trying to live with them and it's really good and bill's introductions are quite interesting um, uh-huh so he wrote an, an introduction which uh i will read some of because it's funny again it just sounds like bill um he says uh since you're reading this book you've already gathered that horses are a huge part of my life they have been for more than 30 years without a doubt horses are magnificent animals um I want to talk for a moment about the appeal of danger to me personally. So, you know, he's saying horses can be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, He says, when I do road races, like the Celebrity Grand Prix, in which everyone is riding a powerful, souped-up vehicle and trying to kill each other, figuratively speaking, of course, it's more like bumper cars for thrill-seeking adults, (laughs) I think at 150 miles an hour, when I'm going into a right-hand turn, man, I'm going to lose it here. In that moment, I am euphoric. I took flying lessons when my open, where my opening class was conducted by this military advisor who put the plane in a tail-over-nose, wing-over-wing maneuver. You are quite literally tumbling in the air, and I thought, I'm going to die. In 2015, I partnered with American Wrench on TV for a cross-country motorcycle <laughs> ride to benefit the American Legion. Uh, like a horse, there was a lot of power under my butt. A lot of that employed at high speeds on sharp terms that I wasn't always sure I could hold, but you never know until you're going to try. The bottom line is I've been going to die, quotes, at a variety of sports from riding horses to racing cars. In fact, you drive a high-performance car with your ass the way you drive a horse. Movement is felt in your butt and communicated to the rest of the body. It tells your arms, legs, and spine what to do and how to move, which is a roundabout way of saying a good horseman will make a good driver. And vice versa, though unlike cars, horses have a mind and will of their own and the musculature musculature to enforce both. So that's just a little <laughs> sample of it. But doesn't that sound like Bill? I mean, it's, oh, absolutely, it's like, like him talking about horses, and it's really good. Mm-hmm. So he, it's you know, each of these essays that they wander a little bit, and he talks about stuff that he's done. There's some stuff about Captain Kirk. There's some stuff about Star Trek. Um, he mentions the tiger. Uh, but unfortunately, <laughs> he doesn't come back to it, which really disappointed me. Oh. I was like, come on, you can't drop the tiger in there and then not get back <laughs> to the tiger. But, um, oh. you know, he, he talked about how that was when he first really got interested in horses, like as as something that he wanted to be part of his life. Because he, he talks a lot about Alexander and having to learn to ride for that mm-hmm. and how cool it was. But it was that particular episode of Star Trek where he, he was kind of like, wow, I could have horses be part of my life and I could do this. And um, it's it's really interesting. So, But the, he didn't ride a horse in that episode. No, he didn't. But there was the, the Black Knight rode a horse. So right, it, it right. Was, that, I was just thinking about it. What's the only horse? And yeah. It was the Black Knight. So, so he was just there kind of seeing this horse and admiring mm. it and, and being like, oh, this is cool. Like, th- just... I can't find it right now, but he, he has this whole little mm-hmm. story about how they were just, you know, getting having to get to the place early in the morning mm-hmm. and, you know, it was really quiet and there's this horse waiting to do its thing and it's just kind of standing there being a horse and wow. it was a chance for him to interact with uh, a fellow cast member, sort of, you know? Sort of. Uh, yeah. Well, and, you know, one of the things, I mean, Bill has dogs and, mm-hmm. you know, has, uh, I, for, I think most of his adult life has raised dogs. Yeah. And, you know, meeting Coco the gorilla and dolphins and everything else. I think because we've talked about this, that in a lot of ways he's uncomfortable around people. Yes. He's very comfortable around animals. Totally and is, yeah. animals sense those things. Mm-hmm. Yep. He talks about that. He talks about the dogs. You know, he, he just talks about so many things in here that are just really really interesting and then there's this whole chapter about how how much he loves being in a stable i think we mentioned this previously yes yes it's like the one place where he can just be himself because there aren't other Mm -hmm. people there it's just the horses and the horses don't care who he is yes you just relate to the horse on the horse's terms because that's why Mm -hmm. you're there and you know I, i think to his credit in in many of these places you know he talks about how you need to relate to horses. It's not a matter of dominance. It's a matter of 
working with the horse to get the horse to do what you want it to do. And that horses mm-hmm. are huge and powerful. If they don't want to do what you want them to do, like, fuck you, they won't. <laughs> right. I'm the horse. Yeah. They're much bigger <laughs> and much stronger than you are. So he yes. really appreciates that connection that he has with horses when he can get them to do a thing and they're enjoying mm-hmm. it and they're really having this bonding experience. And he writes about that in a very touching and knowledgeable way you know you you Mm -hmm. can tell that this is someone who knows what they're talking about yeah wow so um i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna do i'm always getting these things um free you can download one audible book and i've never done it so i'm gonna see if bill did a a audio of this Mm -hmm. and uh and if it's on audible that'll that'll be my freebie because it would be great if not only was he reading his parts but if he read the essays by the other people that would be that would be good i I would love to hear him read even just his essays in here because yeah yeah um so i want to read one little other thing because this is a very uh disturbing chapter and i think he needs it to be so um he's talking about one horse in particular that he owned that was called great day and Great Day, he says, was his favorite horse for a lot of reasons. Um, mm-hmm. It was one of the first horses that he bought. Uh, he was a, a horse that he raced a little bit, but then he became a stud horse. And that was sort of the beginning of his adventure with breeding horses. Mm-hmm. And he had um, Great Day in Kentucky and then brought him out to Belle Reve later on. Um, and he says, you know, He's the horse is a work of art. He's descended from top English racehorses and has been worked on for two centuries, bred by knowledgeable people who devote their lives to breeding the finest of horses. Um, so he, he talks about how much he loved the horse, but then it becomes, well, here, I'll just read it. He says, after I won the world championship with Great Day, me and my trainer, we made him into a breeding horse. Because he was a breeding horse, he could no longer compete, really, because now his interest, quite understandably, was in breeding and not in performance. And during this period, he became more and more rank, as we call it in the horse business. He became more and more difficult. And then in quotes has the horse is thinking, where are you taking me to? I hope you're taking me to a mare. This isn't a mare. This is a rider. I want a mare. Oh. And so a struggle would erupt, and I lost him, not just as a competitor, but as a friend, because he was stud-like in his behavior, which meant he would nip, he would bite. He could, in fact, be dangerous. And when I took him out to graze, we always had a groom beside me, because Great Day would do little mutterings, little grunts and groans, and you could see he wanted to breed. And he was wondering where that mare was. That became very, very obvious, if you get my meaning. It was difficult for me and for him to watch him grow so very, very emotional, very high, hot-blooded. And the older he got, the more of a stud horse he became, which meant that at times he would kick, he would paw, he would bite himself. So as to make that less hazardous for him, they would use kicking chains on his back feet, which became pawing chains on his front feet, and eventually poles that led to a bit in his mouth and poles strapped to his side so he wouldn't Uh. savage himself and gnaw himself, Uh. just as a caged parrot might from frustration and rage pluck its feathers out, because they do need others, they're flock animals, herd animals." In civilization, horses are in a stall by themselves for 23 and a half hours a day, and if they were not accustomed to that, even if they are, it can lead to destruction. I didn't know that, and I didn't seek good advice. And gradually, as they put more and more appliances on this horse to prevent him from hurting himself, the more guilt I felt for having put Great Day into this position. That horse was in solitary confinement, eventually, and I grieved over it. I took him to live in Belle Reve, my beautiful bucolic place located in the foothills of the Sierras. It is a place of great meaning for the Shatner family. My late wife Noreen and Elizabeth's late husband Mike are there, and it is where my wife Elizabeth and I will be as well. There came a time, of course, when there was no more fight left in that magnificent creature. He died on March 20th, 2004, two days shy of his 23rd birthday. I miss him still, though I often go to visit. He is buried in land that was occupied by, for hundreds of years by Native Americans. Um, the land is very spiritual. People that I invite come up there, they cry out for joy at the experience they have, and Great Day is part of the spirit of this land. And I was just so touched How? by that. Like, what a story, you know? Yeah. And oh, that, oh, that's terrible. It's awful. And you can see that he feels horrible about that. Mm-hmm. That he was young and inexperienced, you know, he wasn't 
he didn't know about horses and like he said he got bad advice and he did all this for this beautiful horse and now looking back from many many years later he sees what a terrible terrible thing it was to this beautiful horse and oh. it just broke my heart you know reading all that and yes yes oh my god so um I, I feel terrible that this happened but I'm really appreciative that he told this story mm-hmm. to illustrate that it's not the horse, right? It's people doing bad things to horses, putting horses mm-hmm. in positions that they shouldn't be in. And the reason that they're yeah. hurting themselves is because we as humans are not respecting them and letting them do what they need to do. Wow. Man. So it's a beautiful piece of writing and, um, mm-hmm. you know, really, really good. And, and like I said, it's just Bill. You can tell that's Bill, right? That, yes. That's not yes. somebody crafting his words. That's him speaking about it. Mm-hmm. I've heard him, you know, speak occasionally and mention Great Day, mm-hmm. but uh, not all of this. Yeah, I didn't know any of that stuff. So mm. um, it's, yeah, it's really, it's really good. Um, and it's not all like that, right? A lot of it is right. fun and funny. And he talks about White Comanche and how much fun it was to do that. And, you know, it, it's it's just a lot of stories about horses, but it's all from Bill's point of view, and it's very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So I can 100% recommend this book, even if you're not, like, really into horses. It's very interesting. There's a lot of really yeah. good stuff. And, yeah. and the selection of pieces by other people are also really well chosen, you know, lots of good, mm-hmm. interesting writing in there. Now, do you know, has anybody, I mean, other than you, of course, <laughs> reviewed this book? A good question, and I don't know. I didn't bother to look mm. on Goodreads to see if it got reviewed, mm-hmm. and I haven't even looked in Amazon. I put it on hold at the library as soon as it came out, um, yeah. so I I didn't like look anywhere else to see. I like I don't even know if there's an audio book of it. I suppose I could look it up now. I am sitting in front of a computer, <laughs> <laughs> one that you trust, one, unlike mine. Yeah. <laughs> So let me let let's do this live now. Spirit of the okay. Horror, William Shatner. Let me see. Uh, here it is. There's a Kindle edition of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Not seeing an audiobook. Hold on. Hold please. Um, <laughs> I'm just seeing uh, the hardcover and then the paperback in the Kindle right now. But maybe they just haven't mm. done an audiobook for it yet. Right. It's okay. Okay. Yeah, it looks like it's gotten some pretty good reviews. Bunch of five star oh, reviews. Yeah, that's good. 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 Okay. Well, I'm gonna yeah see if I can track down an audio of that. Yeah. Um, that would be wonderful. The, I I did want to mention that um, I listened to a podcast called I Don't Even Own a Television. I might have mentioned it before, and they review bad books. And in their most recent episode, they reviewed Tech Lab, which is like. The, oh. the, the third of the tech books, the tech war books. Uh-huh. And it's a very good review. I love it. And they, even though it's a bad book, because of course it is, it's a tech lab book. Um, they they love it because it's bad. And they, they were just delighting in all of the really crazy and silly <laughs> things that are in it. And that was what really made it for me. You know, it's not a book that they hated. They were both like, you should read this book. It's terrible. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's really fun. And I, w- I was happy. So I wanted to write them a little note saying I appreciated their review and also to tell them don't read Zero G because it's terrible. <laughs> yes, yes. Not it, fun. It's terrible in a not fun way. Exactly. Exactly. That's kind of what I was hoping Zero G would be. You know, it mm-hmm. would be goofy and funny and it would have like improbable characters and weird plot twists and just kind of like, let's just do a crazy thing. And it's not like that at all. Aww. Okay. So sad. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. What else did we want to talk about? Um, I did the review. We can check that off the list. Oh, we need to talk about Star Trek Discovery. Yes please okay um yeah and we have a special guest with us we today do. we really to, do to to talk about that and uh, there is this uh, article that was on tv line is the name of the website mm-hmm. and there's a million bullet points so that's not good <laughs> formatting but it's it they're just each bullet point is you know something that fuller Uh, closed out CBS portion of the Television Critics Association Summer Press Tour (laughs) with a panel previewing his anticipated reboot. So each bullet is a newsy thing. And the shortest one is there will be robots. (laughs) I'm so worried. But anyway, um, there is uh, one bullet 
that was of particular interest, which is Fuller strongly hinted that a Amanda Grayson, a.k.a. Spock's mother, mm-hmm. would figure into the series. And this it surprised me. I know they're going to have Spock's father, and I can't remember who all else from the um, original series are going to be there. But um, So I contacted our good friend, Marjorie Kirk, to uh, ask her if she knew anything about this and if she had any comments to make. Mm-hmm. And she was gracious enough to say she would come on the show. Oh, that is wonderful because, of course, when I think about Spock's mom, the first thing I think about is Kirk's mom. Yeah. Because, you know, she's Kirk's mom. And she has been so good um, coming to be on the show so many times over the years. She, and she's very quotable. That's the thing I love most about Well, her. yes, and she is, as they say, a friend of the show. <laughs> so we're just going to turn it over to Marjorie and, you know, interrupt her with, with questions. But she really looks like she wants to talk here. All right. That's great. Well, hello, Marjorie. Thank you so much for coming back to the show. We are delighted to have you on. Well, I'm delighted to be here, and hello to both you lovely girls. You are just looking so beautiful. You never, ever get any older. It's just amazing. And uh, I know that you you want me to talk about this new series that's uh, coming up here. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to say, you know, I'm I'm an optimist, but... I don't know what they're thinking up at the Starfleet because they had this, you know, they had Jimmy out there doing his adventures and, you know, meeting the aliens and kissing the girls and making discoveries and all this. And uh, and then they made that into a TV show. Mm-hmm. So that was really nice. And it was a big hit TV show with Jimmy and, you know, his, his little friends, you know, Spock and Scotty and the doctor and all of them, you know. And that was a big hit. And then they made a bunch of movies mm-hmm. about them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was great. That was just wonderful. It was more for Jimmy to do. And so that was great. Well, then they made a whole series about a bunch of people on the Enterprise. And I have to point out, that's Jimmy's ship. And these people, they never even mentioned his name. And, well, you know, then they made movies for those people. And then they had other series that, Mm -hmm. you know, had nothing to do with Jimmy or any of them, you know. And then they had movies and they had more shows. And then they came up with these movies that they say are about Jimmy, but they're not. That's not my Jimmy. He's not stupid and clumsy. And that's just not how he is. So now they're going to do a new series. And again, it's going to be Jimmy Ship. But it's going to be before he was on it. And, you know, I miss mom. I know I'm prejudiced. But I just got to say, who cares? That, that's what I got to say. Who cares? Well, then... Then my neighbor comes over and she is just rapping on the glass in my kitchen window like, you know, a tornado is coming or something. So I ran to her and I said, what? What's going on? What's happening? She said, have you seen the news? They're going to have Spock's mom on that new show. Well, that just, you could have you, you knocked me over with a cupcake. I was so shocked because I hope I don't sound too petty here but they're gonna have Spock's dad and Spock's dad and his mom were both on the original show with Jimmy Mm -hmm. and then they were in the movies with Jimmy and then they were in the movies with not Jimmy and, you know, they got blown up. And I don't want to wish that on anybody. And I would, I, you know, I, I don't, I would never, never want that to happen to them. But I'm just saying. But so now she's going to be on this show. And all I can say is, my Jimmy was the captain. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know more about a person. You'll learn a lot 
by finding out what they were like growing up. Mm -hmm. And who could tell you that better than their mom? Mm -hmm. And I'm just really tired of every cousin and his dancing partner of that Vulcan showing up on the show when talking about teddy bears with claws and Lord knows what else. But I think I should be on the show too. I think we agree with you. Um, you know, oh, thank in, you. in one of the movies with, uh, with not Jimmy, uh, there was a character playing you for... Uh, oh, uh, yeah, but you know, that's not how it happened. I mean, I've never been out into space. He wasn't born out there. That, yeah, was... that was silly. They they were just doing that for the drama. Although I will say that the guy that they hired to play um, Jimmy's dad was pretty good yes. looking. So that, that he was. Be... He, he was. And George was a very, very good looking man. And of course, you could tell that by looking at our boys. Of you course. Know. Yeah. Well, I, I think we're, we're on board with that because they do seem to just dig up every connection to Spock that they possibly could. Um, you know, whether it's cousins or uh, long lost relatives or half brothers that we never even knew existed. They, I know. they just want to cram them in there. And um, we don't, I mean, we got to see the, the story on the TV show about uh, Jimmy's brother, who unfortunately didn't make it. Um, yes, yes. But God rest his soul. God rest his soul. But it would be good if there was more. And, um, you know, we would love to see you on that show. Now, what? They Thank haven't. You. They now, haven't contacted you, have they? I mean, nobody. No, no, they you a haven't. They, nobody has ever contacted me to even ask me questions. You know, which I, you know, any mom, she loves talking about her kids, mm -hmm. and I would be happy to, you know, sit down and we'd, you know, have coffee and coffee cake and just talk about all this. That would be great. And the thing is. I mean, after a while, seeing everybody else's family on it and, uh, you know, it gets to be a little hurtful. Mm -hmm. I will admit that. And the thing is, when they show, like, a Jimmy's uh, room on the ship, there isn't even a picture of me. And I know he's got one because I send him one every year at mm -hmm. Christmas. Of course. And, you know, he's a, he's a good boy. He would definitely, you know, have that there on his, his desk mm -hmm. or by his bedside or something. So I don't know. And I'm not saying me personally should be on the show, although I would be happy to introduce an episode. But they could get, you know, some gifted actress because, you know, I'm, I'm a complicated woman. And they, they could get somebody to play me and that would that would be lovely that would be just lovely it would do you have any ideas about who should play you I mean who who would be a good choice for that gosh you know I mean there there are so many so many you know good young actresses because now we're talking about you know before Jimmy was on the ship and so he was you know like a teenager and mm -hmm. and uh, you know I was I was still getting a few eyes back in those <laughs> days so um I'll have to put some thought into it I know people get very excited about that uh Meryl Streep mm -hmm. maybe she could uh could handle it but you know she's getting a little old it's true so, but she can and, do anything you know well that, that's that's what they say that is what they tell me but uh yeah let me think you know I don't follow the young ones the way I mm -hmm. should maybe that uh Jennifer Lawrence she shows mm -hmm. a lot of spunk mm-hmm that would be a good choice that would be very yeah good. maybe maybe she could do that yeah yeah. Well, what what did you think about the casting choice uh, for Spock's mom in the the not Jimmy movies, Winona Ryder? Oh well, you know, like I say, she got blown up, poor thing. But um, she she looked very pretty. And the thing is, you know what? This is gonna shock you. I have never met Spock's parents. I was going to ask you about that, whether you'd had the occasion to get together at some, you know, Starfleet graduation. Or, you or would event. think, wouldn't you? Because, you know, as close as those boys are, I mean, that's how you meet so many of your friends and neighbors is your kids mm -hmm. becoming friends. I have never met them. I have sent them Christmas cards and I get nothing, hmm. nothing in return. I know they're Vulcans, you know, and they probably don't 
send Christmas cards, you know, because some people get very emotional over that, you know, so I try to forgive, but I've never met them. Hmm. That would be interesting. That would be yes. a wonderful, wonderful meeting. I would pay a lot of money to have you and Amanda sit down and have a, a good talk, a good talk about the boys. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, they didn't, they didn't meet until, you know, they were both in the Starfleet and on mm-hmm. the ship and everything. So it's, it's not like they grew up together or anything like that. But yeah, it would be it would be a nice chat. I can always chat to another mom. Mm-hmm, of course. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that they'd have uh, well, Amanda, I'm sure would have many things to tell you. And you could share a lot of Jimmy stories. I bet he that they don't know that he used to work at the Cheese Castle. I'm sure. No, he he wanted to work oh, at that's the Cheese right. Castle. Wanted, yeah. But I, uh, you know, then when he uh you know, decided he was going to be a spaceman, that was <laughs> the end of all all that you know but you know that cheese castle it's still going strong i have heard that i've seen pictures of it i heard i think we would like to go there and maybe that will happen um oh you would love it you would love it if you if you like cheese you know they call wisconsin folk we call them cheese heads Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they really it really went to their heads (laughs) so um yeah you should you should go it's 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 fun it would be good. That would be wonderful. Wow. Well, thanks for, for giving us your perspective on this. I, I think we would very much like to know who you would like to play you. That would be Well, good. I will give it some real thought. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely will. I'll let you girls know. I hope you enjoy the special butterscotch bars I brought oh. for you. Oh, thank you so much. Because those are sort of my specialty. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just love chatting with you girls because you're just so nice about putting up with me and my silly stories about Jimmy. And it's it's wonderful. Oh, we love having you on. And you're Jimmy's mom. So, of course, you're welcome here at any time. You know, we, we never tire of talking about Jimmy. And there are stories that we'll only ever get from you. This is true, and you should tell those those TV people and the the you know the Starfleet folk that they're missing out on a, a great opportunity, you know, because they all just think you know he's the captain, he's a hero, but you know he was a little boy, mm-hmm. and he was a rough and rowdy teenager, and you know, yeah, yep, that's great. Well, thanks, Marjorie. Thank you so much for coming by. All right. Good night, girls. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Oh, she's just wonderful. She's a delight. She is a treat. <laughs> I'm sure when she listens to this, if she does, that she will get a huge kick out of that. I'm sure. That's great. Well, I agree with her 100%. If they're going to have Spock's mom, why are they not going to have Kirk's mom? Have Kirk's right. mom. They should. Right. Right. Well, you know, they had a, um, a pocketbook called uh, The Captain's Table. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this one? No. Oh, for some reason, all the Starfleet captains were sitting around this special <laughs> table that's reserved for them at the Starfleet bar and telling the story, I think, of their Kobayashi Maru. Wouldn't a Starfleet mom table? Oh. I mean, you know, you could you could get Chekhov's mom in there and, you know, whoever, uh, Uhura's mom and wow. have them all just talking about them. There about should the be a, a special, like a special room, you know, um, where the, the parents and the, the close, like close family, right? Immediate family. That's the word I'm looking for. For mm-hmm. people can go like the way they have special lounges in the airports, you know, oh, yeah. they should have one just for Starfleet families. And then the moms can get together and talk. That would be really good. Yes. Yes, indeed. I yes. am well, that. We'll put that in the suggestion box. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think that's about it. I know we've got other stuff, but it's uh, we've been on about an hour now. So I, think I know. That's so, pretty uh, much the episode. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of it will we'll have to wait. Yeah. But uh well, this has been great. Thank you. And thanks again for getting Marjorie to come by because that was fantastic. She loves to do it. She, oh. she really does. That woman has the gift of gab, oh, I tell you. She's fantastic. Um, so until the next show, um, you guys should all uh, go read Bill's book about horses if you want to. And um, don't watch Private Eyes unless you really, really want to. Really want to. Yeah, just really can't do that. Uh, and, you know, the, the release date for Discovery inches ever closer. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff that's been released recently with more pictures of the cast. You know, they did a lot of stuff at um, 
Comic-Con and then the Star Trek convention that just happened in Las Vegas. They had some, some more footage, I think, and some other reveals about stuff. So maybe we'll have to do a roundup of that next time around. Yeah. Um, and collect news. And we will definitely watch the free first episode. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so. I'm intrigued. I hope it's good. I really, really, I really hope, hope so, too. Yeah. Uh, it could, yeah. So we shall see. Yeah. So keep your comments coming. Go visit us on Facebook. There's always stuff happening there. Lots of stuff happening on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, as always, thank you so much for listening to our show. We love you guys. We do. Okay. Well, as Marjorie would say, mm-hmm. live long and potluck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs>